With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your World Cup Daily. I'm Dave Hendrick joined by Mr Guy Drinkle. How are you sir? Uh, it's still cold, but I'm less tired than usual because this is more my time. <laughs> yeah, I'm very much the same. Very much the same. No match with us this evening. Um, he will be back Monday. We were going to record tomorrow, but just scheduling conflicts meant that I couldn't make it. So we are here tonight, myself and Guy. And Guy, I'm very happy. Today has worked out exactly how I had hoped it would work out. Let's start with Morocco one. Portugal nil, Morocco playing exactly as we thought they would, an absolutely outstanding defensive effort. Effort. It has to be said, Yusuf El Naziri's goal, the height he got on that leap is absolutely incredible. It's a great ball in, great leap, great header, and Morocco go 1-0 up. I was really disappointed with the Portuguese. They only had three shots on target in the whole game, and I believe only one on target in the first half. And they didn't at any point throw the kitchen sink at Morocco. I really expected them to, you know, load up and and fling men forward, but they just didn't do that. I mean, they did throw on Cristiano, Leao and Horta, but it was all a little bit, all a little bit cowardly. They They never fully went for it. I never fully felt like they were committed to going to try and win the game. Now, I know that the thought process probably was if we score and it has to go to extra time, we still want to have a functioning team on the pitch. But I thought they let themselves down, whereas that Morocco team, all I can say is, wow, what an effort. Yeah, that's the thing. I think a couple of us, if I remember correctly, maybe had them going through, but I don't think anyone thought they'd do this well. Just because, well, I think they'd, did fairly poorly in the AFCON, if I remember. They were, I think they were one of the big disappointments of the tournament, if I remember correctly. But this new coach who came in, I, someone made like a Conte comparison with how they're playing. I, you see that, it's very Serie A. And it is just, it, if defending is your bag, it is just fantastic. To only concede one goal, and that was an own goal against Canada, yeah. if I remember correctly. It's not like they've played scrubs. They've played no. some of the pre tournament favourites, or certainly favourites to get to at least the semi-finals. That's the thing. I mean, we hammered Denmark 
or sorry, we sorry, Denmark. We Belgium. hammered Belgium yeah. for not coming out of that group. But the two teams that came out of that group are two of the semi-finalists. That was really the group of death all along. Yeah. <laughs> not, the, not the Spain one. And and yeah. for Canada to finish with no points, they can now look back on it and go, well, hang on. It's Belgium's golden generation and two of the last four teams in the competition. So while we may have ended up with no points, at no point were we embarrassed in that group. And we can actually hold our heads up on it. Morocco's run is just incredible. The draw with Croatia. Then they beat Belgium. Then mm. they concede one against Canada. The the Agard own goal. Like you said, nobody has actually scored a goal on them with their own players. But they still win that game 2-1. And then into the knockout stage as we go, they take Spain to penalties and beat them. And then today they beat Portugal 1-0 in normal time. Nobody can deny that this is a historic World Cup run. And I think you're right. I think the the manager, um, Redragu, I th- I, I'm, you know I'm butchering the name, so forgive me whoever is listening and knows his name. I have been so impressed with what I've seen from him and the defensive organisation. And you know me, I love to see a team defend well. They're undeniably the best defensive team in this competition. They're so well organized. And you look at them today, they start off no A-guard. So Yamik comes in. Romain Sice has to go off because he gets injured. And there's no drop off. There's no let up. They just continue. Mazari to... missing as well. Mazaz, yeah. I don't even know how I missed that. Mazraoui missing as well. Like, arguably been the best left back in the competition. Allah comes in today. I thought he was absolutely excellent. And, you know, you're watching this game and you're thinking, how on earth? There's a, like, clearly these players aren't quite as good as the ones that started, but there's no drop off. Dari comes on for size and they just keep going. So you've got literally Hakimi's the only one of their actual back four there. But because of how strong that system is and because of the unbelievable performance once again of Amrabat, there's just there's no let up. And uh, Unahi, the the right side at eight, playing number eight or wearing number eight, he mm-hmm. was incredible as well. Amala was very good. I, this team is just it's so, so impressive what they've done. And it, it's, it is strange because obviously Portugal coming off that game where they basically mauled Switzerland and that's usually how Switzerland plays, how um, Morocco play, make it difficult to beat and then rely on a bit of individuality to, it's usually Shakiri or our best mate Sverovic. Um But it just seems Morocco have just taken that style, taken it to a new level and as you say, I, none, apart from Hakimi, obviously, who's well, he, he may have boosted himself to being the best right back in the world, considering what he's doing at the minute. Mm. But I, when I, I, I don't watch PSG because it's league one and PSG win all the time. But when I was hearing about him at Dortmund and stuff, he can't really defend. Even at PSG, when yeah. you see him in the big games, he can't really. Yeah, defend. he's a wing back, not a full yeah. back. You get you, you leave space behind him. That, but that's all been through. That's all been the case, even when he was at when he was at Inter. Conte mm. used to be losing his mind with the space he'd be leaving him behind. And now Scrinia is very good, so they had cover. But you know, he he has been a player with an iffy 
track record defensively. But in this competition, this fella has just decided, I am the best right back on the planet. And it would be very, very hard, hard to make an argument against him. And, you know, you look at, at the squad and he's the only he's the only player at a top, top team. You know, I mean, Agard's at West Ham. They're a very good team, but they're not a Champions League no, level no. elite club. Zayic is at Chelsea, but he's not a starter. Um, and Naziri's at Sevilla. They're a Champions League club, but, you know, they're not a frequent Champions League club. They're not in it every year. Uh, Buffal is, has drifted in his career. Amrabat's at Fiorentina. A future Premier League signing, certainly. <laughs> I would be shocked if he's not in the Premier League after January. I think someone will buy him. Like, I know, we're, I know we are doing a Liverpool. I thought we were on EPL for a second. If we're looking for someone, not as a stop, stop gap being very disrespectful away mm. play, but if we're looking for someone to fill the gap if we are actually waiting for Jude in the summer, it, his price will be at the highest now, obviously. Yes. But it's still yes. going to be... Respect, it's still going to be 30 to 40, you'd think, because Fiorentina, I, don't, I think they have financial struggles. But they do. I, I, I think every Liverpool fan who's watched Morocco would take him in a heartbeat and he could he could back up or even replace Fabinho if he's still a walking corpse. He could back up Thiago by the looks of it. He could do, he probably built for that Ginny role. So no one would complain if we bought him. No, I don't think so at all. And like you could, if you bring him in and you just say to him and Fabinho, right, you're, you're splitting one role. So there's 60 games a season. You're going to play 30 each, and then you'll get some sub appearances as well. I think he'd be more than happy with that. I think Fabinho would be. It might take him a little bit of time to get on board, but I think he'd see the physical benefit of it as well. And like you said, there's there's no way you couldn't just play the two of them together. You know, putting them two in front of Virgil and Ibu, you've basically just been saying to Trent and Robbo, used to just go live in the opposition half. Jude, you live up there as well. These Have you met the opposing goalkeeper, lads? Go shake his hand. Yeah, go shake his <laughs> hand and tell him that it's going to be a long day. Um, I, I think he has been... He's Right now, he is undeniably in the team of the tournament. Undeniably. To be he honest, has been Dave, if he wasn't outrageous. for Mbappe being a freak, I think he'd be up there for golden ball. For player of the tournament, without yeah. question. Without question. Now, we, we know if it's not Mbappe, it'll be Messi, because it'll always go. Yeah. If, Unless... If, Although Modric, now Modric is more of a of a kind of sexy name and a more flashy player, but it did go to a midfielder last time out. If they get mm. to the final, and as Carlos pointed out before, the player of the tournament, the golden ball, often doesn't go to, to a player who's won the World Cup. Yeah, that's why I give it to Ronaldo in my uh, in preview. Uh, Do you know? So yeah. it, it's possible. It is possible. He's definitely got to be in the mix. And I think Hakimi has to be as well. I think those two have been great. We saw a little less, obviously, from Buffal and, and Zayic in this game, but they, they still had their moments and they still looked they still looked decent. And congrats to them. And the support they're going to have in the game against France, where basically France will be supported by French people and the rest of the world will support Morocco, is going to be phenomenal. And they've had a great crowd at their games, great atmosphere. So that I'm really excited to see them go through. I, I think it's 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 such a big thing to have an African team in a World Cup semi-final. We've been waiting for this. We've been looking over the years at, 
Cameroon and Nigeria and Ivory Coast and Senegal and expecting it to be one of those nations that will be the first to do this. But it's Morocco and mm. nobody could deny they've done this the hard way. They've done this the hard way. Is this the best African team you've seen? Obviously, with the coming to a semi-final, it's easy to say yes, just from that standpoint. But I think everyone loved Ghana 2010, mm. um, Senegal 2002. The, was it was it 90 for Roger? Uh, 90 for, for uh, Cameroon until yeah. they ruined it. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's the best team. The, I don't know if it's the best group of players. But as a team and as a structure... And unit. With, with the manager, the unit, the, the group, yeah, they're undeniably the best African team we've seen at a World Cup. They're not the most exciting. They won't be the most fun. But defence and organisation can bring you a long, long way. And, you know, they're, they're, they're an incredibly hardworking group. The hope now has to be that Agard is fit. Yeah. For the semi-final, because I, I would guess, so good. Yeah. yeah, I would guess that's his tournament done, which is a huge blow. The, I don't want to go on a tangent, but obviously the Morocco are part of a bid for the next World Cup. Doing this will up that likelihood as well. Yeah, for twenty thirty, yeah. um, they're yeah. they're one of the nations that are involved. It's it's is it it's them, Spain and Portugal. I think that the so. Bit? Were they in two? Were they in one with no? It was Egypt and Greece and Saudi Arabia. Egypt was it? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, no, so I think I, it. I think it is the um, Portugal and Spain one. There's also been talk that Portugal might drop them and bring in Ukraine to try and get you know the sympathy vote. Morocco have said that they would also be interested in hosting with Tunisia and Algeria. Yeah. So bring the the World Cup to North Africa. Um, I, I wonder could Egypt get involved in that as well? Could could that be something that works across the four countries? I don't like the idea. I, a World Cup should be in one country for me. Mm-hmm. I don't like the idea of it being in Canada and Mexico next time if America are involved because it's That's the majority. Too big. Yeah, America has enough stadiums. The only thing no, is they, it's going to be 50-odd teams by the time FIFA are done with it, so you might need seven countries or something. Yeah, that is that is the problem. But, yeah, congrats to Morocco. They move on, and they will face France. France 2, England 1. Aurelien Chouameni scores on 17 minutes. Harry Kane equalises from the penalty spot on 54. Olivier Giroud puts France 2-1 up on 78. Uh, shout out to our good friend Neil Devon, who had said that France should stop playing Giroud about two minutes before that. And then Harry Kane misses a penalty on 83 minutes, blazes it over the crossbar. He will get all of the shit after this, but Harry Kane was tremendous in this competition for England. The best international tournament he's had by a country mile in terms of performance. But unfortunately, he misses the big penalty France go through. I thought France were really poor. I thought England were the better team. But as I said on Twitter, England created nothing. Their only open play chance of note was the Kane chance in the first half, which comes from an Upamecano mistake. Mm -hmm. Other than that, it's the two penalties, a Maguire header from a Henderson uh, free kick and a Maguire header off a Luke Shaw or it could have been Phil Foden corner when Lloris came out and slipped. And Maguire didn't realise he had an open goal to head at, so he headed it down rather than on goal. England didn't create anything. 
If only they had one of the most creative players in the world in the squad, eh? They have two. <laughs> they have two of them. James Madison uh, is an outrageous creator, and he's sitting on the bench. You're bringing on Mason Mount and Raheem Sterling. They're good players. You know I'm a fan of both of them, but you're crying out for creativity. I don't know why Saki got taken off. Nobody's going to be able to explain that to me. He was absolutely outrageous. Rabio was leaving Henderson on his own because he had to go back and help Teo Hernandez, who got absolutely cooked for the entire the entirety of the time that Saka was on. Saka was incredible. What a performance. I don't know why he was taken off. Raheem came on. He didn't do a whole lot of much. Henderson went off for Mason Mount, who came on, and his most notable thing was he won the, won the which penalty. Pushed over. <laughs> um, which, by the way, Teo Hernandez, have a word with yourself. What on earth? He's never, like, the ball's been five foot over Mount's head. He's never getting close to it. What are you touching him for? Mm. And Mount's only other thing he did was blaze a shot into the crowd. Um, Jack Grealish got brought on for, was it for Phil Foden? No, he was brought on for John Stones. He didn't do anything because he didn't touch the ball. Rashford came on for Foden. Took a free he kick. Got took a free kick. That was very close, to be fair. It was a good hit. But, you know, Trent and Madison are both great free kick takers. Free kick takers. That game was crying out for James Madison. Even more so than Trent. Because, mm-hmm. because England, what England were doing in midfield that was really clever is they were bringing Foden narrow and keeping Saka wide. And then Henderson would overload wide with Saka. But England would still have their three in midfield to overrun France's two. Or Foden would stay wide. Bellingham would push wide with him. And Henderson and Saka would come narrow. So England were able to overload that midfield and keep the French unable to get any rhythm going. They couldn't get the ball to Mbappe. When he did get the ball, he roasted Kyle Walker a couple of times. Obviously, was involved in the creation of the first goal. But England won't have a better chance to beat that France team. Because France were about as bad as they can be, and yet they still created better chances and scored more goals than England. Yeah, it, it's a, it was a strange one because I think England come out of it with almost quite a lot of credit because usually England embarrass themselves getting beat by Iceland, going out in the group or something like that. Whereas they've kind of, I'd say, outplayed France for the most part. Obviously, didn't show the creative spark that we mentioned, but they went toe to toe with the best team in the tournament. To be fair. Um, but yeah, it's just it never felt like after the penalty there was that desperation for want of a better word to, mm. to get a goal like as soon as Cade missed that penalty you tell Trent and Madison to get off their ass and get on the pitch yeah, you need 100%, a goal. yeah. yeah. and instead it, he waits until stoppage time to bring on Jack Grealish yeah, it's it just a bit daft because like he obviously get Walker on because Mbappe on the counter and stuff like that. But as you said, Walker was getting battered anyway, unless it was 2v1. That was the only time he got... And, and that's the know. problem, is that England were so focused on stopping Mbappe. So anytime, when, Kyle Walker, when, when Mbappe got the ball for the first goal, just watch it back. Henderson comes back from one angle. Rice comes across and Walker steps to him. So there's 3v1. Mbappe gives it, gets it back beats the three of them, dribbles out of it, and feeds it out. And all of a sudden, England are completely skewed to one side. And by the time the ball gets from Griezmann back to Chouameni, Declan Rice is still out of position. Henderson's out of position. 
And Jude Bellingham, who's the left-sided midfielder, has come across to the centre to try and block the shot. Yeah. Jude has come the furthest of the three of them to try and block that shot. The other two were out of position. So by being so focused on Mbappe, they forgot about the other side of the pitch. And when that ball mm. comes to many, it's a lovely first touch just to get it out of his feet. And it's a vicious shot. Like, I saw some people criticise Pickford. You know I'm first to criticise Pickford, but he can't do anything about that. He can't do anything about the second goal either. It's a great cross from Griezmann and Giroud attacks it. He just missed a really good chance that Pickford made a good yeah. save from. He attacks it, gets a good powerful header on it and it obviously hits uh, Maguire's shoulder and sort of deflects into the corner of the net. Pickford hadn't a chance. France had other good chances. The, the Giroud one I mentioned, he really should score from there. When Mbappe torched Walker and cut it back, Giroud left it. I don't think Dembele was expecting it, but if Dembele is mm-hmm. expecting it, he's putting that in the back of the net. That's four, well, three really good chances from play that they created on the night. One for Giroud, two for Giroud, and one for Dembele. Mm. England didn't create chances from play the yeah. one for Kane is is literally it and that's that's down to a defensive error I did think England showed how you can get it France though in some ways I think yes. that le- the left side is not as good as the right side clearly quite clearly especially David Upamecano is a liability it, is a liability <laughs> um far too aggressive far too impetuous far too eager to charge out of position He's the same Uh, player I saw four years ago in the Champions League. (laughs) I think he's worse, if I'm being honest. Mm. I think he's worse. Um, Teo Hernandez is very good going forward, not very good defensively. And based on what we saw tonight, a little bit brainless at times as well. um, They did. They showed what you can do. Now, the the only thing is, England were overloading to that side, trying to get multiple bodies across to swing crosses in to the other side. Whereas what it seemed like they should have been doing was actually overloading on the left where France are stronger defensively and then crossing to the other side where those weaker yeah. defenders were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the first half it was literally only Cade in the box as well. Yeah, yeah. That, where were that the bodies? Was, yeah. Henderson was making wide runs that nobody was paying any attention to, and he should have just been getting in the box, mm. getting the box. And there was but, one one ball went into the box, and it dropped for Henderson, and I don't think he was expecting, it and it got cleared in front of him. Mm-hmm. He had another one where he broke to towards the edge of the box and kind of hit a shot first time on a half volley, but it got blocked by the defender. I don't really remember Jude getting into the box all that often. He could no, have probably and fell over. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he did win the penalty. Well, no, Saka won the penalty. Saka won the penalty. Yeah. Um, from uh, Chouameni, lovely little bit of footwork. Was was looking for the contact. Got the contact. It's a definite penalty. Kane steps up and scores. And because he went that side, he became comfortable on that side. And I think he knew taking the second one. I want to go the same side. I'm confident going that side. But now Lloris is expecting me to go that side. So I need to go a little bit higher. And I think he was trying to put it right in the top corner, which is how he ended up putting it way over the bar. Um, There'll be some complaints about Kane not getting a penalty in the first half. The reason he didn't get it is because he was actually fouled outside the box. 
Mm-hmm. So it couldn't have been it couldn't have been a penalty. England had a couple of soft half shouts for penalties. The referee was not good. We should say that, but I don't think he was good for either side. I mean, England didn't commit a foul or had didn't have a foul blown against them for like forty minutes or something like that. To be and fair, we, after the Lahoz showing yesterday, any referee that is not as bad as that is just <laughs> it's spectacular. So yeah, he's, I reckon the ref was fine today compared to that. He fairly did give England two penalties. Like that's let's be really honest, he gave England two penalties. I think they got and, the big stuff right. As you say, the standard of refereeing is that bad nowadays. If you get the big stuff right, that's all you can hope for. That's it. That's all you can really ask them to do. And and you know he reviewed the second one and gave it and. I thought it was quite weak to then book Theo because the England players demanded it. I thought that was quite weak because he wasn't going to book him otherwise. No, he should have booked him because he's an idiot, to be fair. Yes, he should have. <laughs> he should have. But I, I think, like, you could tell at halftime Kane had the measure of Upamecano. Mm. I felt like Deschamps should have brought on Ibu at that point. Um, Wasn't Ibu man of the match against Spurs the other like a yeah, few weeks? The last time we played that, yeah. And he's he's been excellent in this tournament so far. It wouldn't surprise me if we see a change for the semi final mm. because N Naziri's a big big unit, and I think they might want Ibu's height and aerial dominance in there. So it wouldn't surprise me if Ibu comes in against Morocco, and if he plays well, I think he'll have to start the final. So England go home. There'll be plenty of crying. There'll be lots of talk about, you know, the brave lions and all this kind of garbage. But at the end of the day, England can't blame anybody other than themselves. They had the majority of the ball. France were dreadful. England opened that French defence up a couple of times, but didn't create anything. I mean, you don't create anything. You don't deserve to go through. Um, So France marked on. And they will face Morocco. And... Morocco were coming into that game really confident and you wouldn't put it past them. Given what they've done so far, the draw with Croatia, beating Belgium, beating Canada, getting to penalties against Spain and beating them, now beating Portugal, you wouldn't put it past them to have another upset up their sleeve. But like I said, I think they need to have Masraoui and Agard back for that to be a real possibility. If it's a makeshift defence, the system is the system, but against that French team, I think you have to have your best players out there. And um, I don't think we can expect France to be that bad again either. No, it's very true. It's very true. That should be... Well, I think the both semi-finals are good. I think Croatia, Argentina will be fun. Because Croatia refused to die, <laughs> seemingly. But as so to Morocco. Um, so, yeah, I think both semi-finals will be fun. Obviously, you and Cal will look at them a bit more deeply, either Monday or Tuesday, I think, the start on Tuesday, I think. Um, but final thoughts from me, basically. It was nice to see Henderson have another good game because, he had, as we point out, at Liverpool, it, it's decent, dreadful, good Dreadful, dreadful, yeah. So having two good games in a row, maybe we just need a whack an England shirt on him for Liverpool games now. <laughs> Might be the way to go. Maybe get him to wear the England shirt underneath the Liverpool yeah, shirt. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, even at that, I mean, did he actually do anything of note today, really? Like, he chased chased out a few balls he was never going to get to, pressed people stupidly, wasted a load of energy, charging at the goalkeeper from 40 yards away. His best moment was the free kick into Maguire. He played a bunch of sterile passes. He didn't do anything wrong, 
could have done a bit better on the first goal, maybe. When Mbappe cut back inside, maybe he should have been the one to meet him with a tackle from, you know, Rice one side, him the other, and try and sandwich him or something. But, like, it's it's very average. Like, it, I, I thought it's Rice... It's a step step up from what we've seen for Liverpool, but international football is a step down from Premier League football. But, you know, like, you see a lot of... It's not just him. It's not just Henderson. not just picking at him. But, like, saw a lot of people say Foden was brilliant. And I'm like, was he? Chased a few balls in. I think Saka and Kane were the only ones who were brilliant. I I thought Bellingham drifted in and out of the game, had a couple of good moments, a couple of bad ones. I think Shaw did well against Dembele, to be sure. Yeah, that's a good shout. Shaw did well against Dembele, to be fair. Maguire and Kane had little to do, or Maguire and Stones had little to do, and what they did do, they didn't do very well. And mm. I, I, I completely forgot one other French chance, the the simple ball into the channel that Rabiot ran onto, and nobody yeah. was near him, and he hit it first time when he really should have taken a touch, tried to draw Walker, and then slip it to Mbappe, who was charging in from the left. It's just as for as good as England were and as bad as France were. France still had the better chances in the game, like the better open play chances in the game. England, once again, relying on set pieces and penalties. And that is going to catch up on you when that's what you rely on against good teams. We know this England team is capable of more. We've seen it. Like I was looking at that French team today and I was thinking, if that England right side is Trent at right back, Bellingham right side of midfield and Saka, they are carving that French team apart and yeah. creating chances galore. But instead it's Walker and Henderson because the manager fundamentally, from a footballing point of view, is a coward. And he's so terrified about Mbappe that he's actually held his own team back. The thing is, though, Dave, it's not even just Mbappe. It's his male Lassar as well. <laughs> so, yeah, he plays, he plays that against Senegal, the right front. Yeah, do you know, like... He used that Senegal game basically as a run out for France and forgot that, you know, France's other players, they're pretty good. Like, Chouameni's pretty good. He's a, he's a lot better than the Senegal midfielders. Um, Giroud is a better goal scorer than Bouladia. So I think Southgate is letting them down again. And I don't expect that he'll go. But for the good of England and the good of this squad and what's coming in the future from this squad and as these players get a little bit older as Bellingham gets older and Saka and they get more experience under their belts this England team could be really scary in two years and in four years but under Southgate you're never really worried that they're going to win anything they might get to a semi-final or a final but he will find a way to choke the creativity out of them and neuter them and that's what we saw today we saw a team that were easily able to outplay their opposition. Easily. Mm, that's the thing. I think the thing was playing Southgate, within themselves at the same time. Yeah, I think the thing is, I think there's a trophy in this England squad, but it just has to be the right people. And can they get any more luck of the draw? I don't think they can after the last two tournaments, especially obviously playing France in the um, quarterfinals is a tough one. But I think there is a trophy in this squad, but you can't. You have to beat someone good to win a tournament. Mm. And it's proven. Croatia, Croatia, Belgium in 2018, the Euros, it basically was just Italy. Um, and then it's like France. Croatia in the group stage, and then it was all average teams until yeah. Italy in the final. Now France. 
And now France in this one, they've they've had it very, very lucky. And Southgate's World Cup, you know, played uh, win percentage will be very, very good. And his tournament win percentage will be good. But when you actually look in, and, as, and I did it on, was it on two-footed during Yeah, I think week? it was yesterday. I think it was Friday. Friday. Yeah, went, went through the, the games that they've played, the teams they've played. And the most impressive win that they've had was over Croatia in the opening group stage match in the Euros because it's, it's a very, very mediocre German team. The Danes are nothing special. The Czechs are nothing special. They, you know, they drew with Colombia at the World Cup, but got, got through on penalties. They beat Sweden. I mean, these are average, average teams. The one good win they had was that group stage game against Croatia. Would anyone back England to beat Croatia in a game that mattered? Don't think they would. Mm. And the really? thing was, it was open for them to, like, they, they win today, they would have played Morocco. They would be strong favourites against Morocco. You win that, you could get Croatia in the final. And again, you would be strong favourites to win that. But with this I think they would be favourites against Argentina, to be honest. I think they would, but I think that would be Messi. misguided because Messi. Messi would make a, a hell of a difference. Like, Griezmann got a bunch of opportunities to That's run off the back of Rice today and just lacked the pace to get away. Messi would get away from him. Argentina also have a better midfield than England and will keep the ball off them. And England's midfield will get very tired running around. They do, but they employ on Otamendi. (laughs) This is where the, yeah, this is where the weakness would be. But again, so England could have gone on to win this World Cup, but not with this man in charge. Not with this fellow. That's the thing. If he does stay on, I know it's actually, no, I think they got relegated in the Nations League. (laughs) They want to be playing good teams. I'm going to say, in the Nations League, you have to play attacking football against good teams, but you can't even do that. No, they got relegated in the Nations League, which is just brilliant. Um, so they'll go to Euro 2024, and if it's with him, they'll go in as one of the favourites, and they will fall short again. Whereas if you put, let's just say Pochettino, because I saw someone mention him earlier on, you 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 could see England winning that competition very easily. Not not that they win it easily, but you could easily picture it in your head that they would win that competition with with a real manager in charge, because for the most part the talent is available. You know, you wouldn't be in love with the goalkeeper, the centre backs, but you've got really good right backs, you've got good left backs, you've got growing talent in midfield. You just need a couple more of them. You've got great wide players. You've got Kane. You've got really good players in between the lines, like Madison and Mount and Saka when he drifted in field today and played as a ten and that spells Jesus wept. He was just the best player in the park. England have no, nobody to blame, only themselves. And Southgate will get protected by his friends in the media. Kane will get pillared. But Kane had a great tournament and was let down by the lack of creativity around him. And it wasn't because the players weren't there. It was because the players weren't allowed to play. Yeah, I think that's the main takeaway from it. Looking forward to the semi-finals. I think they're both really exciting games. It is Argentina-Croatia and France-Morocco. And when we looked at those groups pre-tournament, if someone had said to us, there'll be <laughs> one group there that gives you two teams that will get to the semi-final, you might have thought maybe Belgium and Croatia, but I guarantee you nobody's bracket, nobody's bracket had Morocco and Croatia in the semi-finals. This World Cup is heating up 
I think the semi-finals will be great. I still think it'll be Argentina France in the final. I think that's I think that's what it's destined to be. And then it comes down to who shows up on the day, but Morocco and Croatia can't be written off. They're like you said earlier, guy, they don't die. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I can't wait. Should be a fun. Is it Sunday the final? I presume. Uh yeah, so Tuesday is Argentina Croatia. Wednesday then will be France Morocco. Saturday will be the third and fourth place playoff. And then the final is Sunday the 18th at 3 p.m. UK time. So by, I don't know, given stoppage time, extra time penalties, about nine o'clock, we should know who wins. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, cracker. We will be back on Monday. Carl will be with us. And we'll have a bit of a chat about those games and start to get excited about them. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.